Hola mi gente, welcome back to the Christy Osoria show. I hope that you are having so far an amazing week whenever you decide to listen, right? I hope that you are taking the time for self-care. Know that self-care is so important now more than ever. Take care of yourself mentally and physically. So I want to be very honest with you in this current moment um, as I'm recording this, I'm in the balcony of my sister-in-law's um building i'm currently in the process of moving back to new york after being in pennsylvania for over for about three years now and i'll be sharing a podcast as to why i'm decided i have decided to move back to new york the reason for that and um you know all the changes that is happening um and um there's a lot going on right but we definitely have to move forward and keep um you know i just feeling grateful for all right now for all that we have um, and this week, I am super excited to introduce to you this amazing guest speaker that I had. Her name is Diana. She's from Texas. Um, she's a licensed um, clinical social worker, and she's doing so many amazing things for the community, um, for the community in her hometown. Um, and I was so inspired by Diana's story as she shared about her history with her parents and what she went through, and then her own story, right? At starting as as a young age, as a young mom, as a young teenage mom, and I felt that. Um, you know, Diana has so many great tips to share and how that you can learn to overcome many obstacles in your life. So, um, with further ado, I'll be sharing with you Diana's interview. Please make sure that you are following Diana. Um, I'll be leaving all her information in the show notes. Um, if you have any questions, please email her. And also, please share this episode with anyone you know that would benefit, that would help them, that will resonate with this episode. Again, Diana has an amazing story, and I'm so happy and grateful that she took the time to share her story with all of us. So with further ado, thank you, Diana, and thank you, community, for listening um, to this podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Christy Osoria Show. I am super excited today to have a special guest. Her name is Diana Ansalda. Diana, if you could say hi to my community. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here, Christy. Yeah, I'm so excited. So you guys, let me give you a great background, a brief background who Diana is. Um, Diana started Austin Trauma Therapy Center through her counseling work um, when she began to realize so many people continue to be affected by traumatic experience. Having gone through her own childhood trauma, she began to look at what other trauma treatments were out there for these vulnerable persons. Having grown up in a marginalized community and toxic environment, Diana understands people often struggle with utilizing unhealthy adaptive coping skills to address symptoms of depression, anxiety, or other mood disorders, and has made it her goal to help others. She can assist you with identifying strategies that will work for you to identify and modify thinking behaviors and actions that no longer serve you. She has a passion for helping clients heal by incorporating new skills to move past self-defeating patterns. Additionally, Diana also believes that everyone has the capacity to make positive changes and heal. Her motto is, together we can work together the barriers that may be preventing you from being the best person you can be and living your best life. So Diana, I am so excited for you to be here. I'm so excited (laughs) for you to share your story. Um, If you could just give my listeners a little bit of background of who you are, what you do, what made you get started, and like, 
take it from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Texas, um, third generation um, Latina. Um, and my parents were teen parents, teenage parents, um, which is very common, I think, um, in our culture. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, realizing now that, that my parents didn't have the tools that they needed back then to be parents um, as teenagers, um, in addition to the childhood trauma that they also had, right? Because we all come with our own wounds. Um, and that led, uh, my father to, you know, become an alcoholic and also become abusive and, and mm -hmm. do all of the things that we commonly see, um, in communities of color, mm -hmm. right? Like, especially in, in our culture, but I know that, um, that's very prevalent, um, in other communities of color as well, mm -hmm. um, in other households. So, um, so it was a long, um, it was, it was not ideal. I mean, it was very unhealthy. Um, I mean, we were very poor um, because of the substance use in the home. I mean, you know, we grew up on welfare. And I would say, um, you know, it was very abusive. Mm -hmm. So when my mom finally left the situation, I think I was 10 years old and we moved to Austin. And I mean, it wasn't very long. And in, in that time period from 10 to about 13, I mean, I just was very it felt very numb to everything like what what's happening and, and when we ended up leaving um i mean we were taken right out of school mm -hmm. we left with nothing i mean we we literally didn't have a time to pack anything we had to leave everything behind um you know because of the the abusive situation that that my mom was in and um you know it's very common that we see that with with women today who are in domestic violence situations where they have to kind of plan when to leave it has to be kind of in the middle of the day or you know when the abusive partner isn't home mm -hmm. um so when we left with nothing i mean it was just kind of very shocking for all, for all of us and i have three siblings mm -hmm. um so that sort of led me onto my own path um i then became pregnant at 13 Mm. And so I became a teen mom and I was, was so upset that I That's interesting. Um, like um sorry to cut you off, but um it's it's kind of like that history of like repeating itself and oh way. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and we see that. I mean, this is um it's generational. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is the generational trauma that continues, you know, because if we don't heal these wounds that exist then they persist yes so um so then you know i i was upset for becoming a a, a stigma um you know a statistic and i could so relate to that yeah and and then you know i remember being a, you know i was so i i stopped going to school in, in, in eighth grade i got pregnant Okay. And so by the time ninth grade came, I mean, my daughter, I was already going to have my daughter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was in school maybe for a couple of weeks in ninth grade, but I didn't finish. Um, but I remember being enrolled in one of those like, you know, parenting classes that they have in, in the high schools. Mm -hmm. And someone said, well, you know, the statistics say that you're going to, that if you have one child, the likelihood of having a second within the next, you know, couple of years is, is very high. Like it's going to happen for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. No, no way. Um, so lo and behold, I get pregnant again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, damn. Um, and, and so, 
and I want to just say something real quick because my my listeners know I was also pregnant at 19. So I was a teenage, I, I was a teenage mom. So I can relate to you when you said the, the stigmatism behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we look at our surroundings and where I grew up. So let me just give you a little brief. So like I grew up in the Bronx neighborhood and you know, when you look at a teenage girl who's pregnant, already the stigma is she's Latina, she's going to be on welfare, she's mm-hmm. poor. So, you know, that's it. You know, that's all that she'll be. And right. I remember even feeling that at 19. Imagine you who was younger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, I could just like, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it because this is something that I never, this is like the first time I'm having a conversation in terms mm-hmm. of like the trauma and like the stigmatism because mm-hmm. it is so real even now mm-hmm. and within our society right now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I remember just being so angry that that someone was right. They were like, oh, you know, uh, they, they said I was going to be a, that statistic and I was. And so... Um, so I just kind of let that be. And I had my son, you know, so, it, you know, by 15, I had two kids. By 16, I kind of moved out and went on my own because I was like, you know, I, I really can't be here with my mom and my sibling. Like, it's just not like, you know, I made this choice. So I need to go out and, and be an adult. Um, so um, me and my and my kid's father, um, and we were together for 18 years, um, but we decided to go out and get our own place. And so, you know, I have been living on my own since 16 um, and it has not been easy. Um, but that sort of led me to this journey now, you know, I decided, okay, I need to get back in school. Um, I need to finish school. So I, I got my GED decided, okay, maybe I need to do a little more. Um, got my associate's degree and I was like, maybe, you know, you can't, you can't do much with an associate's degree. Like it's not going to bring you a ton of money. right? So then I was like, okay, I guess I got to get this bachelor's degree. And, um, same thing, you know, yeah. bachelors in, in psychology, you don't really, there's not a lot of opportunity out there um, for that, especially in this work that I'm in right now. Yeah. So, you know, I was told, well, you're going to have to get the master's degree. And I was like, okay, I'll get the master's degree. <laughs> so got that. And, and then, you know, two years post-grad, you know, you have to have so many hours um, after you graduate um, to be able to, um, to do this clinical license that I have now. Um, so it was just, it was a lot of work. It was, it was really intense. It was a lot of work, but, but through the work that I did and all the jobs that I've had and all the internships and all the, the grassroots um, volunteer work, you know, all of that, I, I saw the injustices that really plague our community, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the minorities that are in the institutions, this intu- institutionalism, uh, institutional uh, racism that exists. Um, and I saw so many facets of that, you know, I saw the kids in foster care, you know, working with those kids. I saw the kids that were abused, um, and neglected, you know, all look like me, right. The same similar cultural background, um, substance use. I worked in substance use centers and with teenagers and with adults and all very similar backgrounds. And I was like, gosh, like something has to change. You know, all of these people have like very similar traumatic backgrounds like me I have got to figure this out (laughs) yeah and like when when you decided to officially I mean because I I know your work it goes all over but like when to focus a lot within the Latino community Mm -hmm. how has that been for you 
but also how is it for you personally? Because, you know, as they say, like coaches need coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to go yeah. through our own unhealing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I, like for me, I can relate to the alcoholic father. And mm -hmm. I could relate to the um, verbal abuse when my father was an alcoholic. I grew up with an alcoholic father. You understand? Yep. I love my father to death. Mm -hmm. But there was that trauma. So, like, how did you unpack your own work to mm -hmm. also help unpack other people's um, trauma? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of it. Um, so since I went out on my own at 16, it was kind of like, go, go, go. Right. And that's another part of, of our culture where it's like, just, just don't worry about it. You need to move past it. Just keep going. Don't worry about it. Yeah. 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 Or just, just pray about it. You know, like I get so relate. Oh my goodness. I'm having like my own thing right now because it's like, People don't get it. And I think it, I, I have to say, I think I've spoken to a lot of people from all different backgrounds. I think they all go through this own, their own thing, but I think what, like from as a Latina woman, right. Because mm -hmm. I'm Hungarian and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm American too. And for so many years, I didn't speak up because I felt like, okay, this was pain, but I have to continue life. So I have to shut that down and I just mm -hmm. have to, focus on what life matters right now, which is like feeding my kids or right. doing homework or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of where I was. So I was in this, this place of just keep going, just keep going. I gotta, I gotta work. I gotta go to school. I gotta take care of kids. I gotta, you know, like just go, 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 go. And, um, really dismissing the fact that I had these wounds that needed to be worked on. And so when I started to feel the anxiety and, and the sadness, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really pay attention to that. I just kept going and I kept moving. And that is so invalidating mm -hmm. to ourselves, right? That's saying our emotions, like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We don't matter. That's not important. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I was about 24 when I finally decided, okay, I think I need to maybe see someone, you know, I had a friend, a coworker who was like, you probably should see someone. It's been really helpful for me. And, um, of course he was white. He was a white guy. And I, I say that because I think it's really interesting that our culture is like, well, maybe we should do this thing that these white people are doing, right? Because the white people are doing it. And I even had some clients tell me, well, I wanted to see what the white, you know, this is what the white people do. So I figured I'd, I'd try it. And um, I think that's, that's such an eye-opening um, sort of, you know, comment because I was like, hmm, okay, maybe, maybe I'll give it a try. So as I slowly started to kind of get into therapy uh, and talk about it, and I'm like, I don't even know, like, is this going to help me? I don't know. But I started to realize um, that it was helping. Mm -hmm. It was helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, I did a lot of my therapy with, um, with non-minority people of color, you know, um, they were, they were all white, some white women, some white men. And, um, you know, so I was able to kind of at least piece enough together to where I can kind of keep moving through. Mm -hmm. Um, but more recently I found I, in the last three years, I found, um, a Latina therapist who's yeah. really helpful. And I was like, this is who I need to see. Like, I need to see someone who looks like me who can yeah. culturally relate to me so that I can have this vulnerability with mm -hmm. these people and not have this fear and this shame and judgment, you know, 
of how so that I can open up and heal. Like it's so, so, so important. And, and that's a lot of, um, what I do at Austin trauma therapy center. Yeah. And I, so I can relate into the sense of doing what, um, people who were not minorities following their path. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I was doing personal development, let's, I'm going to, cause I started my sense in personal development mm-hmm. and there was a lot of white people around me. And a lot mm-hmm. of the times that I will attend because the message was so good, but I always looked around and said, how come there isn't people of like people who look like me here? Mm-hmm. And just like you, it's well, for me, it's like, I couldn't find at the time I started doing personal development stuff around 2021 myself yeah and at the time where I wasn't seeing people of my own kind up there or doing this stuff Mm -hmm. and for me it was like okay like what's going on how come my my community isn't talking about this and right when back home it was that my community didn't even know that this stuff exists for them because for like my family just like yours probably, or, and I know, if I know from many of my listeners, we don't speak about talking to other people about our problems. Like mm-hmm. I grew up with La Cosa de Casa, you don't talk about <laughs> I know. And, you know, um, I was at a trauma training over the weekend and it was all virtual, but, you know, one of the interesting things that, that they, they mentioned that really resonated was that um, in dysfunctional families, the rules are don't talk about it. Um, you know, we don't talk about it with anyone else. Yeah, we don't talk we don't. about our problems. And even though in my house, like my dad was a wonderful man. Like I have to say, like when he had to do his part as a father, he was there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when alcoholism, when the alcohol took over himself, like took over him and it took over him really bad in many levels that I was mm-hmm. the one that, like my mom always said, like, you don't talk about that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I did what any child would do. You will listen to your family and you would just cry inside. And that's how you move forward with life. And you mm-hmm. have kids and it continues. Right. Um, and you're like, well, I, my mother told me not to talk about it. So I'm going to tell my kids if there's any issues that we can't, they cannot talk outside of this home. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I got my wake up calls like, no guys, you have to talk. But for right. many years in my life as a mm-hmm. teenager going on to adulthood, um, I didn't talk about my issues because <laughs> I just felt like you couldn't. And also because I felt like within the Latino community, I couldn't find a community that talks about it. You right. Right. And I, and I think like you, it was, it wasn't that it was scary, but it was more of the sense of who can relate to me. Like, I guess I'm about to talk to this person because this person is the only one available that I can find. I can find a Latina woman who understands my trauma. If you, you get what I mean. Right. <laughs> oh, I can't hear you. There we go. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's really important. And that goes back to this, you know, don't talk, don't trust, um, don't feel. And that, that I think is, is so big in what feeds into, um, this just keep moving, just Mm -hmm. keep moving. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the minimizing of the bigger things that are impacting us and also that avoidance piece, Mm -hmm. avoiding, just keep avoiding, keep avoiding. And I see so many, um, uh, Latinas and Latinos in in this practice that have such similar um, stories. Mm. It's just mind blowing. Um, so I'm starting this new initiative, um, and it's called Contigo, 
mm-hmm. wellness foundation and it's, it's brand new. And I hope by the end of the year, it's going to be up and running and, you know, really helping people. Um, because one of the other things that I've seen in this, in this work is that, um, therapy is expensive and it's a privilege mm-hmm. and not everyone has access to this privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if we can heal some of these generational wounds that we talked about earlier, that might change the future mm-hmm. of our culture, right? Um, so Contigo is a nonprofit that is going to be able to, to serve those, those people. And, and um, I, I, my goal is for it to be people, people in this Latinx community mm-hmm. who don't have access to therapy, um, but want to do some healing um, and they will have the funding for that. Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, um, take us, if you could just like have my listeners, right? Like take us to, um, let's just say someone comes to you kind of with the same, um, background as like you, right? A teenage Mm -hmm. mom. Um, what are some steps like obviously don't take us to like a full, full set. So like, what are some steps that you can have? Like, so a listener that's listening and they're probably going through their own traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you can like guide them tips that they can start doing for themselves before mm-hmm. they decide to like speak to a therapist or to find the right, to write, find someone who's right for them to talk about their issues. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I always preach self-care Self-care is really important. Um, And it's not like going and getting a mani-pedi, right? Sure. That's some of it. But self-care is really taking on this, this nurturing role, this mothering role and mothering ourselves, taking care of ourselves, nurturing ourselves, giving ourselves what we need. If we need sleep, if we need to rest, then we need to rest. If we need to eat because we haven't eaten all day because we've been, you know, taking care of the kids and working and doing all the things, cleaning, and we haven't eaten yet, we need to take a minute and eat, mm-hmm. you know, um, we really need to be able to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, setting up boundaries is really important. You know, I know right now with things that are happening um, in the world, setting up boundaries with like media, like, oh, I, I need to, I need to disengage for a second because this is, this is too much for me. Or I need to not have conversations with people because they are triggering me. Um, boundaries are really important. And I was on another Latino uh, mental health wellness path, uh, panel last week. And it's so true in Latino communities. There is, there is no boundaries, right? Boundaries are really hard. It's like, no, you don't get, no, you do what I say. Cause you're in my house. And, yeah. you know, and so <laughs> trying to enforce that with, with, um, with people in this culture is, is really difficult, but just knowing what you can tolerate. Um, so that, that goes along with self-care that's taking care of you. Um, and then the other part of that I would say is self-compassion, having compassion for the self instead of being critical and saying, I didn't do this today. I I had all these things to do on my to-do list and I didn't get to do any of it. Oh, I'm so angry. I'm, I'm such a loser. I'm so useless. Instead of saying those things, meet that shame and judgment with empathy and say, you know, something like, you know, you, you tried really hard, this unexpected thing came up and there's no way you could have been able to do all of these things on your to-do list because you're sick or because you had to do this other thing or this emergency popped up. Right. So really having that empathy for the self, um, to meet that judgment so mm-hmm. that we're not always doing that critical internal judgment. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I'm glad that you point, those out especially with the boundaries because i know with the latino community 
It's so hard to mm-hmm. set boundaries, even with your own mm-hmm. family members, right? It's true. And something that you even remind me of, like, as a mom, I'm quick to say the same thing. Like, you're my home. It's my rules. And sometimes I have to catch myself and it's like, hold on. Um, but that's just important. It's so important for people to understand that because even right now with everything that is going on, um, even, you know, with what we see even outside, you know, with what's going on, even with immigration itself, like it's a lot to take in mm-hmm. and I'm sure, and I'm sure you have seen it. So within your community, how people yeah. probably are feeling, feeling scared or mm-hmm. feeling a type of way, um, you know, so I'm really glad that you tapped into this top, into that, into those, into that. Um, now, now what if someone is, they don't know how to look for a person that's right for them in terms mm-hmm. of speaking about trauma. Right. What are some other, like, what are some things that you have told your clients or your own people to do? Yeah. So, um, and this is, this is kind of what I feel. I, I feel like, you know, the world needs therapy because, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't hurt, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, for everyone to have someone to talk to, to hold their heavy stuff. Uh, that we all experience every day of our lives. Um, But there are so many therapists out there. There's so many. Um, And you have to find the one that, that you feel most comfortable with. You know, they all have their own specialties, their own techniques, their own style. Um, There are some that just, you know, will just let you talk and and, um, dominate the entire session because it is about the client. Um, but then there are other therapists who like to give their, their clients skills and tools, um, and, and have these, um, these things that they can take out into the world and practice. Um, and so if that's where you're feeling that, you know, you need to have that, then that's the kind of therapist you want to, um, you want to go with. So interview your therapist, ask them, you know, how they are going to help you. Or have they ever worked with someone, you know, a person of color um, or a Latina, Latino, you know, are they familiar with this culture, um, if that's important to you? So really, you know, getting to interview them to see if they're a good fit. Yeah, because you, you can't get to that vulnerability and, and, and heal and get all the, you know, heal the wounds if you if you don't feel safe. It has yeah. to be a safe place. Yeah, it has to be a safe place for them. Um, Diana, now, I don't know, this came up for me just now. For someone who's dealing with someone who was like, me and you can relate to alcoholism. Um, And I'm sure there's a lot of kids right now, especially now that COVID, right? People are home. I know. And and this is a time where people are, um, there's a lot going on, right? Mm -hmm. That obviously we don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are probably feeling scared even to like get back into the world. But also like people were even scared even staying home because- Mm -hmm. There's also trauma and abuse happening in all different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go into, back into the whole alcoholism because uh, you've dealt with it and I have dealt with it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who's in that environment, how can they um, even not fear of speaking up when mm-hmm. it comes to that? Because as for me, um, I mean, I still take care of my dad, but I had that hardcore conversation with my dad, you know, about Mm -hmm. his issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the hardcore conversation with my mom, like, and I think that's important, right? Yeah, those hardcore conversations have to happen. That is part of the healing. Mm. Um, 
that is the cathartic peace mm-hmm. um, that we really need to have. Um, and I had the same conversation with my dad, um, you know, and it was probably, you know, 10 or 15 years later, but it happened and it was very healing. And I said everything I needed to say. Um, and my dad's passed away now, but, but it was very healing. And I am very grateful that I had the opportunity to say those things. Um, so, you know, and and that's a lot of what I'm dealing with right now with Mm -hmm. clients who have come back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later Mm -hmm. and have had that experience and we're working on, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for you to have this, this conversation with your parent now. Now, um, now, I know for the Latino community, they feel like, um, and let me, let me share this, but like, they feel like resources are not out there for them, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, right? Mm-hmm. How have you, or if you can like also give tips for those who are Latino, who are want to practice what you're practicing, because I think mm-hmm. it's really important that you also share this, because as a Latina woman, as a Hispanic woman, you know, people think that there's like... Again, like me and you spoke, we feel like there was no, no one like us out there. Yeah. As a Latina woman, show the community that they're out there. Um, what are some things that you have been doing that maybe whoever's listening, who wants to become a therapist, who wants to involve themselves in just a one type of community, how can they um, start showing the community what is available for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I, I want to just speak to you. Sh- Typically, people who are in this work, mm-hmm. um, healers, um, they have had their own really painful past mm-hmm. and have done a lot of healing on their own. Um, and that's why this work really calls to me mm-hmm. um, because it's so important that I feel I can help people who share very similar um, stories. Um, so for me, I think um, surrounding myself with people who are either in the work already or, you know, doing some research on what it looks like to get, you know, if I want to be a counselor, if I want to do this or that, you know, what does that look like? What do I have to do to get there? Um, So researching some things, does that sound doable? Does that sound interesting? Does that sound like something you want to do? You know? um, So I would start there and just start to research. Um, As far as like uh, reaching out to the community, Latinx community is really great and it's uh no latinxtherapy.com that's a place that people can go to to find a therapist um Adriana is the owner the founder of Latinx and it's a really giant um platform mm-hmm. for lots of therapists all over this country to find someone who looks like them, whether, you know, and, and it has all the specialties listed. It's, it's very similar to psychology today, but psychology today doesn't have very good filters in terms of finding, you know, a person of color. Um, so Latin, I like Latinx therapy. Um, I'm trying to think of some others that are out there, but there's some really good resources. I mean, even on, on our ATX, uh, on our Instagram, on our ATX trauma therapy center, um, we have some good resources. We put some stuff out there and we're like, this is what boundaries look like. This is what invalidation is. This is, you know, how to help yourself stay in your window of tolerance. You know, are you feeling dysregulated? So we're always trying to, trying to keep people informed because I realize and recognize that there are people out there um, who maybe are feeling afraid to do this step, to take this, this giant step. 
Um, and so really just informing them in that way, like how about an infographic? You can read this and, you know, here's some anti-anxiety strategies. And actually um, I'll, I'll send that over to you so that folks can um, learn a little bit more about how to keep themselves calm and regulated when they're yeah. feeling anxious. Yeah. I, think um, I love that. Mm -hmm, for my community. Yeah. And so I, I also, um, I, authored a workbook um, that's called Positive Changes, um, and it's this idea that in 66 days, you have the ability to make um, a positive change, mm -hmm. and that's on average. On average, it takes um, 66 days to change a behavior, Yeah. Um, and obviously, there are outliers. You know, for some, it might be less, and for some, it might be more, but on average, it takes 66 days, so I developed this workbook for people, and it's, it's very... Um, it's not um, intensive or anything. It's, it's, it's a good way to just kind of just reflect and do some self-reflecting on, you know, maybe I want to make this change. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. What's the first thing I need to do? What can I be grateful for today? Right. So little things that you can do to make these little changes in your day to kind of do that mind shift and change um, into having that positive um, attitude. I love that. How, how is the way that, um, what's the way that they can grab that workbook? Um, so it's on Amazon. Um, I will add a link to my website because I've been meaning to do that and I haven't done it. Um, uh, but they can get it on my website, um, Austin Trauma Therapy Center, atxtraumatherapycenter.com. Okay. Um, or I would definitely put that in the show notes as okay, well. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can do that. that. Yeah. Yeah, because that way they have an easy access on to grab that that workbook. I think that's great because um so many people don't realize like the um, different ways that you can create, um, you can create a change for yourself and mm -hmm. like, the workbooks now, um, and stuff like that. Like people, you know, who can't afford, let's just say therapy, at least they have a workbook. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And it's, it's very low priced. I mean, I, I think it's like $10 or something, mm -hmm. maybe somewhere around 10 bucks. Um, but it, it at least can start the process of making some changes and deciding, you know, how to, think a little bit differently. Yeah. Now, um, Diana, so you work with people of Spanish speaking and non-Spanish speakers, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen, um, because I'm going to just ask a question, like the older generation, I know it's not very difficult for them to talk about. Oh yeah. Right. I know it's really difficult because um, I because I know my mom is kind of a little difficult, but she's trying. She's doing her best. How can someone, you know, I'm sure there's a listener out there who probably has a parent who they know that needs the help. Mm -hmm. How can as a child, as um, like speak to their parents about the importance of speaking about past trauma, you know, even though even to our older generations? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's really important. Um, if it's a child, I mean, I, I think, you know, just really trying to have a conversation about, you know, this can be helpful. This can help us all, not just me, but all of us. Right. Cause you know, it, it takes one person to start making the change in that homeostasis cycle, right? One person has to be the change agent. So if just one person um, starts to make a change, other people will see that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, you know, having that conversation with with parents um, or with others, saying this could really help us, this could yeah. really help you. Mm -hmm. yeah. We can all benefit from this. Yeah, because I know that um, for the older generation, I mean, from what I see within my family, like it's so difficult for them 
like they think therapy is such a bad thing for again for whatever mm-hmm. reason, or mm-hmm. even talking about the issues right and even as an adult it's like i had to like find a way to convince my mom like mom like it's been helpful for me you should just at least try it you know mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. Go, but not just go once try to go multiple times right you know because that's the thing that they go it's one time <laughs> and it's like, oh. i mean yes i mean people are like oh yeah i went i went before and then yeah. like it's not a one and done thing like yeah. you can't just go one time and that's it like exactly exactly um so before we like close this out diana is there anything else that you want to do I mean, that you want to share with my, with the community. Um, and also how can they find you? What are some, um, ways that they can find you mm-hmm. and, um, and any last minute words that you would like to share? Yeah. Um, so again, I'll, I'll just go back to this, um, this idea that has been very prevalent in our culture that therapy is bad and talking to people are bad. And I just want to say that, um, you know, it can be really helpful to have someone hold that heaviness Mm -hmm. of the world of our daily stresses, even if it's just for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you can sit and take a break and breathe Mm -hmm. without all of that weight Mm -hmm. on your shoulders. So it can be really helpful. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, it takes a lot of courage for people to do that. So there's some strength um, and resilience and being able to go and, and talk to someone. Um, yeah. So I would encourage people to do that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that, but I'm glad. And I hope that everyone takes this message and know that it's really important to even do this work. How can um, the community find you, follow you, your website? Yeah. Um, you know, even, yeah. So, even though, you know, even though we're in the East, I'm in the East side, but <laughs> you know, obviously we could still follow you and, and get more, more educated when it comes yeah. to the, um, the trauma and therapy. Right, right. Absolutely. So um, I'm on Austin or ATX Trauma Therapy Center.com and it's a therapy center uh, is spelled out. Um, and then on my Instagram, it's ATX Trauma Therapy and then CTR. Mm-hmm. So um, you can find us that way. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys. And I'm also going to put everything on the show notes as well as her workbook. Um, if you, um, if you know, if you want to like, just to get, at least get started. Right. I think the workbook is really perfect. Um, do you do virtual events by the way? Like any virtual, um, con- like virtual things. If anyone has that question. Yeah. Um, I do virtual events. Um, and I actually just started doing that. I mean, I guess everybody's kind of learning and adapting to this new virtual, uh, norm. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. I can do virtual events. I, I actually have, um, in the last two weeks, I mean, I, I think I've done at least eight. So it's, it's been really, really yeah, great. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. You guys. So like, you know, even though she's in Texas, like there's ways that you can connect with someone who, you know, you can discuss trauma with, you can discuss therapy with, and also someone that you can also recommend. Um, I will be putting everything on the show notes for everyone, your workbook, your website. Um, I just think it's really important even for myself. Like I was like, okay, yeah, like, I could share this with a lot of family members mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like as a Latina woman, I didn't, it's been hard for me to find for my own family of someone who speaks Spanish and someone who understands the trauma. Like 
I'll yes. be honest, you know? Yes, um, absolutely. I'll be really honest. And um, I think this is really important. I'm so happy that I have you on because it's yeah. like people can find you and like can relate in one way or another. Um, but I want to say thank you so much, Diana, for being on. Thank you for sharing your story. And um, thank you for being part of my guest speaker in my podcast. And you guys, don't forget to follow Diana. Um, yeah. Follow her. Give her some love because this is such a great episode. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you're doing for your, for your listeners and for the community. I mean, it's great. Thank you so much. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to this episode. If this episode resonated with you, um, please go ahead and and share it share it with your family and friends that's how we are able to continue to share our stories um with the rest of the world um and as always please remember to go follow um the guest speaker all the information is on the show notes and if you can please take two minutes just to leave a review and just let us know how much you enjoy this episode and if there's any other if there's any questions that you have any suggestions on how we can better serve you on different topics that we that we can share with you please let us know thank you very much